Chapter 4, God or Gods. In the previous chapter, we touched upon the subject of transdimensional beings referred to in terms of gods, gods, angels, demons, as well as aliens. Let's continue by taking a more intimate look at the first couple of those transdimensional entities and the origin of our concepts of them. If there is a transdimensional being called God, is he, she, or it the only one? Or are there many? Obviously, this is no small issue considering most of the world embraces the concept of God and gods as very real. From the earliest Sumerian cuneiforms to the Arcadian runes and steels, and more recently, Egyptian hieroglyphics and Greek scrolls, we see myriads of gods from Osiris to Zeus referenced, with hundreds in between. These gods were not only a very important part of ancient life, but modern as well. In spite of what ism ascribed, all religions believe their god or gods are the real or real one and are worshipped for real reasons. These reasons have always been primarily provisional needs along with physical and emotional such as coping with fear and loss. Simply put, assistance in surviving a violent and or unpredictable world. Not only do we find myriads of pagan gods, thousands according to the Hindus, chronicled, but many mentioned in the once canonized books from the Bible of Judaism, Christianity, and such as Enoch, Jasher, Tobit, and Jubilees. Interestingly, it seems all these compilations, once a part of the Bible collection or canon, have one outstanding theme in common, a focus upon personal relationships between humans and extra-dimensional beings. Again, these beings are primarily the ones we now call God and or angels. Unfortunately, it's through the translating, including editing and private interpretation of our modern Bible where most of our generation gets their personal concepts and or misconceptions of extra-dimensional beings. Speaking of the Bible, most would be shocked to learn what it actually reveals concerning these higher beings. This one called God, also called Creator, is taught by many religions to be the one and only God. But this makes little sense considering the angels, demons, and watchers of the Bible would also be viewed as gods in relation to mankind. Unfortunately, much of that confusion has been generated by the mainstream religion's private interpretation of the Bible, Bible's creator, God. I can personally attest to dozens of conflicting conceptions, but very few of those conceptual church teachings is act, actually matches the biblical and books once biblical. Probably the greatest misconception of the Bible's depiction of God or gods is the belief the Bible teaches only monotheism. For those who don't know, monotheism is the belief in the existence of only one and only one God, period. Unfortunately, a couple scriptures seem to teach that, but literally hundreds of others teach the opposite. Monotheistic faiths are most correctly defined by religions such as Judaism and Islam, while the bulk of religions are still polytheistic. Polytheism, of course, is the belief and worship of many gods, not just one. Polytheists generally have a god for every purpose and every need in life. A polytheist concept often confused with monotheism is henotheism. Henotheism is the acknowledgement of many gods while limiting worship to only one god, an interesting concept closely related to Judaism and Christianity. But Christianity actually sits on the traditional fence between polytheism and monotheism. 
while professing to be monotheistic, believing in only one God, it acknowledges and worships three separate persons, or the Trinity. Their Trinity conviction is a strange concept in itself, a mystery even they themselves cannot honestly explain. After all, how can you have one God in three persons without your God having three individual heads? Unfortunately, Christians get a little peeved when this obvious dilemma is pointed out. Since we're defining terms, we know the usage. By the usage, the word God is simply a generic English title for all higher and or exalted beings. But the Christian use of God, as in one God, is actually an oxymoron. It's much like their belief that one plus one plus one equals one. The Bible, Bible's teaching of one God is defined by, by context as the only one creator God to be worshipped, period, which again is henotheism. Unfortunately, Christianity's teaching of only one God in three persons is simply nonsensical Christian tradition, much like geocentrism and flat earth. The ancient pagans worshipped many gods, which is one of the primary meanings of the word pagan. Pagan means polytheistic. They had a god for every purpose and every need. That said, just what does the Bible actually teach? Unfortunately, it does not teach most of those commonly accepted concepts addressed. In a close and unbiased examination, we see the scriptures teaching a very different concept from monolatry, which again is henotheism, which acknowledges the existence of many gods, but teaches that only one is worthy of worship, namely the supreme creator God, that is Yahweh. Other than this one supreme creator God, all the other transdimensional beings are quite literally lesser gods, generically labeled angels and watchers and Elohim. All those exist with and for different purposes, many of which we see in Bible scripture. Considering all the gods, ancient and present, an amazingly ridiculous statement I frequently hear cited, which always gives rise to a good chuckle, is God is God. The whole concept just doesn't get any more confused and nonsensical. That's like saying president is president or queen is queen. God is quite simply a generic one-size-fits-all English description for deity. In fact, all gods are gods to those who worship them. <clears throat> Bottom line, the book, of Christ the book Christianity claims to base their beliefs upon openly acknowledges many other gods in many places, including the first commandment, where it says, you shall have no other gods before me. Again, this brings back to mind that white elephant in the room. How is it we moderns have virtually across the board relegated to myth all those ancient gods in which our ancestors placed so much credence and reverence? Would our ancient forefathers have so laboriously chronicled these gods if they had no foundation in fact or reality? In fact, our forefathers so vehemently revered these gods, they sacrificed their own children to them. Why would they do that if they were only for utilitarian purposes? Can we honestly dismiss the possibility that such a depth of conviction shown in the ancient writings of our ancestors was not born in reality? After all, does anything really spring from nothing? Before further considering the origin of the extreme faith our forefathers placed in the ancient gods, we must again remember the value of a god is primarily rooted in the provincial needs of the people. Living in a world beyond personal control, 
uh, earthquakes, tornadoes, drought, forest fires, wars, etc. It demands a higher power to, to provide, to care for, and protect them, much like parents watching over their children. Again, if the gods are merely stuff of legend and completely impotent, what would it be the point for devoting such faith and reverence? Without a cause and return effect for worship, placing such reverence in these gods would have been rather redundant, would it not? After all, how many times are you going to sacrifice one of your precious children without some major return from your god? This provincial need and, of course, return constituted the foundational reasons for believing in extra-dimensional beings, anciently. But today we have a new socialist god instead to save us in our provincial need. This new god basically negates the need for any of the trans-dimensional gods, after all. Why bow to provincial gods that we cannot see or touch in humility when we don't need anything from them anymore? That said, wouldn't a national socialist government be an incredible tool to effectively remove the need for the existence of a real provisional god? Can we honestly believe our governments, have, having been established as the new supreme god on the block, was really not by outside design? Isn't our modern progressivism toward atheism simply the result of government socialist programs such as welfare, social security, unemployment benefits, and health care? Who needs another god? Even though provincial need, that is physical and spiritual, is obviously the primary reason for worshiping a god, especially with the ancients, there was actually another major reason, which was fear. In fact, is fear of not pleasing the current reigning god or gods and or their retribution for straying from proper obeisance not a powerful reason for modern people's worship? This coerced fear could and did in many cases completely outweigh the significance of cause and return. An example of fear-based worship is even when our God fails to honor its promised provisions, fear of its wrath still obligates one to obeisance. Unfortunately, that same fear most Christianity teaches, if we do not accept Jesus in our heart, regardless of what he does or doesn't do for us, we go to hell, however you define hell. Of such fear-based beliefs, the thinking spawns the concept of hell as a control mechanism. How interesting that many or most of the gods, anciently and currently, would have us believe that if we don't worship and please them, we will be doomed to taste their wrath in that proverbial eternal torture chamber. Again, this fear is still one of the chief motivators of many major modern religions such as Christianity and Islam. But honestly, would a loving and merciful creator God really force an uncooperative humanity into compliance using the medium of fear? That has to make wonder, one wonder just where such a concept really originated. Honestly, how could a real deep level of faith and worship be explained by anything less than personal, direct experience. In like manner, the multitude of my own personal transdimensional experiences has left me no longer seeking to comprehend our ancestors' intense faith and belief in their gods. My own experiences have given me a new personal meaning to seeing is believing. <laughs>